You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 Cast, your ultimate answer for fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and once again, we have a fun episode lined up for you as we go back to the movies to talk about Thor Ragnarok. But before we do that, I have just a couple of things to talk about. First off is the fact that, yes, uh, the podcast has been away for a while. There were some health issues in my family that I can't talk about in too much detail, but what I can say is that... Uh, It was taking a lot of my time, and so because of that, I wasn't able to edit the podcast. But now things are definitely better, and I should be back to at least a bi-weekly schedule, if not a weekly schedule. The other issue is that my Phantom Menace is back, and by that I mean the sound issue where a syllable or two drops off uh, here and there. Um, The sound just cuts out for a fraction of a second. I think I figured out what's causing it. It seems to happen whenever I'm recording audio at the same time that I am syncing with my Amazon Drive. So now that I know that, I know in the future never to record while that's happening. But there might be a few episodes that I already have in the backlog that I recorded while that was going on, so we might still see that issue pop up. But nothing that's recorded after now should have that issue. So I apologize for any difficulty in listening to the episode i don't think it's too bad it annoys me to hear it because i you know i know how it should sound and and i know that that you know some words are kind of clipped or whatever but i'm hoping that for you it's not so bad but just know that it's a problem that will go away and with that being said now we return to the podcast in progress Let's introduce our cast for this week. And first up is someone we haven't had on the show for a year now. And we are so glad to have her back on. And that is Nechan, Rachel Alexander. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm good. How are you? I am doing fine. I'm, I'm glad to be back on the show. Right, yes. <laughs> so, Rachel... Tell us what's been going on, because last time you were on, you know, we were talking about you, know, you dropping Pokemon lures to find fellas. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what's been going on for you in the last year? <laughs> well, I'm still doing Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. I uh, have a, uh, a boyfriend now that I did not find via Pokemon lore. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think uh, coming up in February, it'll be a year we've been together, which is really nice. So Kung Fu, boyfriend, work. Sadly, it's not much else interesting aside from that. (laughs) Well, I I will say one thing, because I have announced on the show that I'm working on the video game archive. You also provided me with my band for the video game archive, which is very nice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very glad you liked it. Yes, it was was a lot of fun. I... uh, 
I, I'm looking forward to publishing the website, which I'm probably going to do in the next few weeks. I've uh, got some time off work coming up, so I'll be able to uh, get working on the website itself. But Ryan or Angie, have either of you seen the the banner that I posted to uh, to Facebook? I'm not very uh, good at Facebook. Okay. <laughs> I must I've, have missed it somewhere. Okay. I am going to say that yes, I probably saw it, but I'm going to go back and look at it right now so that okay. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not like a complete liar. You know? <laughs> It combined my love of video games with uh, Indiana Jones, is all I'm going to say. This sounds familiar. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so so in my mind, it's like if you're doing an archive, you know, an archive that sounds like, you know, you're going, delving into, like, the really deep, you know, mysteries and ancient type stuff. So it's Indy basically replacing the, uh, you know, it's uh, like in Raiders of the Lost Ark when he's got the gold statue and he puts the bag of rocks on to uh, keep it from tripping. But instead, it's Indy taking an Atari cartridge and grabbing the gold Zelda cartridge huh. and replacing it with the Atari cartridge. <laughs> I thought that was appropriate. But anyway. <laughs> and you did a great job, Rachel. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad glad you were satisfied. Yeah. And if anyone uh, goes to the 42cast.com website, all that artwork was uh, Rachel's as well. So we owe a lot to Rachel on this show, which is another reason why I'm glad to have her back on. <laughs> Also, since I've already mentioned them, I'll just move on. So first up is the uh, man that, at this point, I'm just going to say, it's the man you love to hate. You already know who he is. <laughs> that's, that's my nemesis, Ryan Guthrie. Yeah. How are you doing, Ryan? Yeah, I'm pretty good. And if, you know, love to hate me, hate to love me, whatever, either way, I'm still in your head. And that's what that's counts. True. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's creepy. A little, <laughs> little stalkery, but, you know, I mean, you it, know it works I- for you. I like to blur the lines. Yeah, that's what I do. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, Ryan, what's uh, been going on for you since the last time you were on a mere three days ago? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm catching up on my backlog of TV. I finished off, uh, I'm now caught up with Once Upon a Time, which has, hmm. the new season's been um, pretty interesting. I'm digging it more than I thought I would, actually. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's the same for me. I mean, it's totally a uh, different feel but uh, I'm enjoying that because I was kind of getting sick of the uh, of show as it was. Yeah. But I haven't I haven't actually seen the one for this week for the midwinter finale, so uh. I don't want to talk about it too much. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm like three episodes in anyway, so don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, next next is uh, um, Legends of Tomorrow and Arrow, and then I can finally watch the Crisis on uh, World X or whatever Earth X and mm-hmm. be caught up there. So thank goodness for winter break. Otherwise, uh, I, w- I would be so far behind. It wouldn't even be funny. Yeah. I do a good job of keeping up with the things on broadcast TV, but it's the uh, it's all the streaming shows that I save for when I have a break, and I can just binge the streaming shows. So yeah. I'm, I'm catching up on Discovery right now, and there'll probably be Runaways, Punisher, yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. Runaways is on the list. Yeah, yeah still got to get to uh, Man in the High Castle Season 2 at some point. <laughs> Me too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, anyway. I think it's the, the trailer's out for Season 3 now, I think. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> No, I know. I've been thinking that too. Like by the time I get to season two, there's going to be a season three. Yeah, but oh well. Yeah. It's 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 not that bad of a problem to have of more TV to watch yeah. than you know you have time. You know, <laughs> of all the things in the world. Yeah, yeah. There are some of us who remember 
you know, back in the day when you could only watch what was literally on TV right then and there. And it wasn't mm-hmm. Star Trek. It was right. <laughs> probably sports or news or, or soap operas. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm fine with this. A lot of sitcoms in my <laughs> oh, <yeah>. own life. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I hear you. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's good to have you back on, right? Thank you. And finally, rounding out our cast, she is the Greek statue of life, and that is my friend Angie. How are you doing, Angie? I'm, I'm good. I'm doing good. Fighting off a so sorry if I sound a bit scratchy. Oh, okay. No, I mean, I, I actually can't tell that you're uh, feeling a little under the weather. Great. And forget I said anything. Okay. <laughs> so what's been going on for you since the last time you were on, Angie? So just still working through catching up all of the um, Arrowverse stuff so we can watch Crisis on Earth X as well. Right. Um, at the table, though, I actually bought an antenna for my TV mm. for the first time in probably a decade. I do get the CW. <laughs> no. Yeah, just uh, that. I'm looking forward to seeing Star Wars tomorrow. Oh, I'm jealous of everybody who's seen Star Wars tomorrow, which is, or uh, by now, which is probably everyone you know, on this broadcast right now. But yeah, it's Friday. Uh, yeah, I know Ryan's seen it already. Yep. Wanted to see it a second yeah. time today, but you know. <laughs> we're, we're so dedicated. We had already bought our tickets online. But Friday, we had a snowstorm, which was, and things were pretty icy, but we, we ventured out anyway, and my car ended up spinning out, which was a little scary, but mm. no damage to person or property, and we made it there safe, and then safe back home, so that was nice. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> a little, little adventure. Yeah. Shows your dedication. Yeah. <laughs> Not even nature was going to keep you away. Honestly, it wasn't even a matter of... Uh, being dedicated to the movie, I was like, we already bought the tickets online, and <laughs> I'm going to get my money's worth out of this. That's <laughs> your firstborn. Might as well get your money's worth out. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, I'm sorry, anything else though, Angie? I, I cut you off there with my comments. No, just kind of laughing at my local convention getting smacked down by San Diego this week. Isn't that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So your local convention being Salt Lake City Comic Con. Yes, yes. And yeah. They uh, <clears throat> they made a huge deal of provoking the bear that is San Diego Comic Con, and San Diego came back and sued them, and they announced that they won this this past week. Yeah, but my I still fall back on the fact that this affects many many cons around the country, yeah, and I think it is yeah. petty and really dumb. Yeah, and I I don't really agree with the decision so much, but yeah, San Diego or Salt Lake Comic Con is now. Uh, Fan X Salt Lake City Comic Convention. Yeah, that's going to be a lot harder to say. I, I'm a member of um, a lot of Phoenix Comic Con groups, and they were following this very, very closely as well. So I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, of course, Phoenix Comic Con has their own drama, but they, they, they're. I think everyone, Atlanta Comic Con, everyone's kind of looking to this to see what happens. I, I did notice that San Diego was suing for what, like a hundred million in damages, but they only got twenty. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, because like I, I was talking with Angie offline about this earlier, I'm like, there is no way that this in any way lost any money for San Diego. The fact that other conventions are calling themselves a Comic Con did not lose, you know, San Diego any money at all. Uh, so yeah, I think that that you know asking for that much money is is silly because they didn't take any money out of their mouths. You know, that's. They're doing that themselves with the practices that are causing dealers to just, like, flee from San Diego Comic Con. That's, that's their own doing, so. But, yeah. Well, it's, it's good to have you back on, Angie. Hey. You're welcome.
All right, so next up, I think uh, both Ryan... Well, no, I actually think only Ryan's aware of this. We've changed the format of the 42 cast. We're no longer doing five questions, and instead we are doing five-minute controversies. And the reason for this is because a few months back, Jennifer Shorn cursed five questions, and it has forever gotten longer. (laughs) Every episode since then. So I decided five questions is just going away. (laughs) <laughs> We're, we'll replace it with a single question that we can talk a little bit more about and it's going to be overall a major segment so still the same purpose getting us a little loosened up before the uh, actual episode but in this case uh, so what we're going to talk about this week is it was announced last day that Disney is buying the majority of 21st Century Fox their TV and film studios Fox will retain its news and sports channels as well as the uh, Fox network on TV because the FCC won't allow Disney to own both ABC and Fox as two of the four big networks. So with that, of course, comes the fact that the film rights for the X-Men and the Fantastic Four fall back under Marvel. So the question on the table today is, should the X-Men be folded back into the actual universe of Marvel? It's it's clear now that Marvel Studios will be making X-Men movies. The question is, should the X-Men be folded into the universe? Uh, It has already been created with the Avengers. As I've made no secret of my opinion on this, all in all, I I don't like it. I I wanted Disney to get the Fantastic Four back because Mm -hmm. I think that they're integral to the MCU. But I think the X-Men movies... The history of the X-Men universe movie probably set the groundwork for the MCU as, as we know it in a lot of ways. 2000 is when the first X-Men movie came out, and mm-hmm. we wouldn't have had any, well, maybe Blade, but really, the X-Men was the first team movie, and we wouldn't have mm-hmm. Avengers without. So I think if Disney had had X-Men all this time, all that would have happened is we would have more and more X-Men movies. We never would have gotten Thor. We sure as no way in hell we ever would have gotten Ant-Man. So, mm-hmm. I think, or Guardians of the Galaxy. So, I think having the X-Men, and especially if they focus that popularity back on them, is just going to cost us, as fans, more of the peripheral characters that have become so popular. But that's a little bit of a sidestep from what I asked. Because you want it, I mean, forward. at this point, yeah. I mean, Kevin... Kevin Feige's already said that they're going to fall under his purview. The question is, should they merge the X-Men into the established universe that they've already done, or just make them a sort of sideline story that's that's its own independent thing on a, on a parallel Earth or whatever? Well, then I'll answer that with a condition. The X-Men as they exist now, the Patrick Stewart or James McAvoy, take your pick, that universe, no. If they wanted to reboot the X-Men storyline within the existing CU, I think they could maybe find a way to do that. I, yeah, maybe with that same caveat uh, as Ryan had, I think totally they've gone totally opposing directions. I think it would be rough. I mean, the Marvel, the MCU has seemed to go more towards the comedic and Mm -hmm. the X-Men films have just gone so dark. I don't, I think totally they don't match anymore. So unless they're going to reboot the X-Men or the mutant franchises, I don't, I don't know that they would fit together. I would prefer them separate if we're going, I mean, frankly, I don't mind the gritty, dark mutant storylines. And I wouldn't mind seeing that, but I don't think that could be folded very well into the MCU. So I'd prefer they separate. I'm going to go with what everyone is saying. Um, the X-Men movies as they exist now just frankly can't work with the MCU. Like they like, you know, all of all of this 
craziness with, you know, uh, the Avengers movies that are, the events there are being consistently referenced in, you know, subsequent MCU movies. So all this stuff that's happened in the, you know, X-Men movies are, are suddenly going to be folded in. Like, it, to me, it, there's just no possible way that you can make it work as they both exist now. That being said, I don't know, like, if, if they were to reboot somehow and come into the MCU, but honestly, I don't, I don't see how the X-Men can kind of fit into how they've created things. I mean, I mean, they certainly would do it and shoehorn them, then shoehorn them in regardless. But I just don't like. And this is coming from someone who, for years, like, I mean, X-Men was my introduction into comics and Marvel. Like, you know, I've wanted Marvel to have them back for years, and it's great, but just. The way the MCU has progressed, I just don't really think they have a place in it, to be honest. I I would prefer they would stay separate. That being said, I'm still in favor of a reboot because I'm probably in the minority here, but I hate the X-Men films. Um, I did not like First Class. I've only seen bits of Days of Future Past. I thought Age of Apocalypse was terrible. <laughs> like, I, I don't like them at all. That's bad, Rachel, because actually of those, Days of Future Past, I think, is the good one. But I agree with you about Apocalypse and First Class, and I, I like Days of Future Past. And you're both wrong. <laughs> 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 all right, no. We're not going to go down that road right now. We, we are going to have a discussion of the X-Men movies at some point, uh, before you guess. But... But, so, no... I don't think they should be folded into the MCU as it exists now, but I do think they should be rebooted and done, have better things done with them. Well, but another fact to consider there is the X-Men universe is larger than just the movies now. We've got The Gifted and we've got Legion, and uh, I think there's a third television show. But here's the thing. Well, no, no, no. Uh, there's just so far, there's just the Legion, Legion and The Gifted. But here's the thing. If you watch either of those shows, they have been so cagey about what continuity they're in well, that they could easily, if you said this has happened in the MCU and if the, if they introduced mutants into the MCU, it would be so easy to just say, oh, okay, that's the version that we're going with for these shows. Because while they've mentioned the X-Men in both series, they haven't said what incarnation of the X-Men or anything about details, really. I don't know. I think that's you're, you're approaching that line where you might actually hit fatigue for the ca superhero fatigue for the casual viewer it's already the point now where i'm I, i'm a hardcore dedicated fan of the mcu and i still haven't seen the inhumans yet because it's just there's too much you know? yeah, i will see it but... it's yeah mm -hmm. but here's my thinking and this and this is contingent upon things that i'm hearing about the direction they were going anyway but Supposedly, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, they're going to introduce the concept of the multiverse and parallel Earths in that movie. Ugh. Kevin Feige has also said that after Avengers 4, the MCU is going to go through a radical shift where you're going to basically have all the Marvel movies before Avengers 4, and then all the ones afterwards are going to be almost completely different. I think what we're going to see is that they're going to have different universes, basically. From there forward, they're going to drop the It's All Connected, and basically you're going to have some things that are existing franchises, like Guardians 3, Spider-Man 2. Those are going to continue with the universe they've already created, but they're going to allow for movies that, you know, take place in their own independent universe. And I think that that might be how they fit X-Men in, because with what they've been doing with the Inhumans, it's basically taking all the X-Men's tropes in the, you know, and, and so to me it feels like if they introduce mutants it'll be like, so what? You know, the Inhumans are already doing all of that. 
you know, in the MCU as it exists. So, I, I, this is my suspicion of how they're going to move it forward. It's not... It's probably the easiest way to do it, but it's not necessarily what I like because I like having everything together. But yeah. if they're all being done by Marvel Studios, they can still do like interdimensional crossovers like Berlanti's doing. So um, they can still have the Avengers and the X-Men in together and just say that there's some Earth-crossing thing going on. I, well, I, I think totally. risking... Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, what would the tone be of such a crossover? Like, I can't... I mean, but Logan was fantastic. Where would Logan even slot into the MCU in terms of tone? I just think it would be too jarring. I don't... Well, I, but see, I think even the MCU has had a broader base of tone than I think that you give it credit for. Captain America Winter Soldier is totally different from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. No, you're right, but Logan is darker than, than both well, of those. I, I don't... Significantly. Sure. They're and definitely... Legion, and so is the Captain. Like, I... <laughs> they're, they're dark. They're apocalyptic. I don't... And I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I just don't think it fits. I, I don't think tone is necessarily the problem. Uh, I mean, after all, if, if you've seen Punisher yet, then, you know, Marvel can do dark. Their, their Netflix stuff has been dark. Now, granted, in the movies, they've kind of played it safe. But I, I think the issue here is just one of Disney is going to follow the almighty dollar. And if they've got an established X-Men universe that has an established fan base and those fans are going to go to see these movies anyways... I don't know that they necessarily need to, to bring them together. And even if they did, then you hit the same problem that DC has having right now, where you've got seven Joker movies in the works. And it, you know, it's just... <laughs> no one's sure what's going on anymore and what's connected and what's not. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, DC is its own special brand of crazy yeah. because they have no... At least Feige, I feel like if Marvel goes with the multiverse going forward after Avengers 4, Feige will have it all planned out so that it's clear what's what and that everyone will understand. DC's just throwing crap at the wall and just seeing what sticks. I mean, that's... That's them, you know, that's, but anyway. Well, I, I think you give Feige too much credit. I mean, he, he vetoed the idea of having Hulk, you know, pre, yeah, spoiler for what the movie we're going into, but he vetoed the idea of having Hulk disappear to set the end of Age of Ultron, and then there was the whole humans deb Inhumans debacle, so, and, you mm. know, the Spider-Man deal. I mean, they're clearly changing as they go as well. They've got a general idea, but I don't think they've got a master plan like we've always thought they've had. No, I think that they've just had, because, I mean, they had a plan if they got Spider-Man and if they didn't get Spider-Man and they had two different routes for Civil War to go based on that. So I, I think they did have a plan, but they've allowed themselves contingency if things change, which I think is probably the best way to go forward, because if they're rigid with plan, I mean, things change as time yeah. goes on, so they can't be rigid. Yeah. So I actually think Feige's a very good helmer for the MCU from that standpoint, that he's able to adapt but has a plan, a basic plan, but is able to adapt. Yeah, rigidity gets you Snyder directing three movies. Yeah, I agree. No. All right, so we've we mentioned Zack Snyder. I think it's time to drop this one. Um, so, Angie, did you have anything else to say about this? No, no. Okay, Rachel, how about you? Good. All right, so yes, well. <laughs> I think that was enough for this one. And uh, But if those of you listening at home have some thoughts about this, just email us at everything at 42cast.com. Let us know how wrong Ryan was. And, uh, you know. <laughs> and we'll, we might talk about it on a subsequent uh -huh. episode. <laughs> But before we uh, go on to talking about our movie for this week, uh, let's pause here for a promo from another fine podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. 
I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted and this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics that's the pop culture cosmo show and the pcc multiverse every week on the podcast radio network and apple Podcasts. and check out the show today on the eso network And we're back. And so this week we're talking about a little film called Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 Ragnarok Edition. (laughs) (laughs) All right. No, actually we're talking about Thor Ragnarok, Um, (laughs) which is a movie that came out uh, early November um, and was the third installment of the Thor franchise and combined Thor back with Loki and, of course, introduced uh, the Hulk into the Thor franchise and before we talk about the movie itself i just kind of want to pull uh my three panelists here what were your thoughts of the first two thor movies i mean keep it fairly brief but just you know what did you think of thor one thor two and heading into thor three um i i love i love the thor movies um dark world definitely had its problems but it was still entertaining to me yeah just i'll keep it short and sweet i like them i love chris Hemsworth, so i was definitely excited going in I mean, I think the Thor movies have been perfectly adequate. They've established character and his place in the MCU. Maybe they didn't blow everyone away like Iron Man did, but they, they got the job done. And if nothing else, I think they kind of suffered from having Tom Hiddleston be Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> I, I will defend Dark World. I think it was better than a lot of people give it credit for. But yeah, I, 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 I so far, the, they established the greater cause. Until Guardians of the Galaxy came along, they established the cosmic universe for Marvel. I enjoyed them. Um, I enjoyed the first one a lot more than the second one. I think the second one was a criminal misuse of Christopher Eccleston. I, I really liked how they handled uh, the, the more magical aspect. Uh, they were Doctor Strange, so having it be more science-based was fine with me. I thought they were not the best of the MCU, but I enjoyed them both. Okay. So, yeah, for me, I actually really like probably more than definitely more than Ryan and Angie and maybe more than Rachel. I love the first Thor movie. I think uh, Kenneth Branagh did a fantastic job directing that movie. It is emotionally stronger than I thought that they would make a Thor movie. I often say that it's a Shakespearean tragedy and I love the aspect of the two brothers and 
they're each trying to do, you know, the right thing and how that, or in what their mind is the right thing, Loki's mind, what he <laughs> thinks is the right thing. For Loki. You know, but it's not, he is not being an evil villain in the classical sense. You know, he is being very much, a, you know, a character that is like, no, I am going to solve all these problems. You guys just don't get how, why I'm the great, you know, the king that should be there. And, uh, you know, just that whole aspect of it, I thought was, was fantastic. I do think that the Dark World uh, slipped quite a bit. I think we can all agree that Christopher Eccleston was misused. His talents were not really used very well. That's that's just par for the course for Marvel villains, though. Right, yeah. right. Because you have Loki, and then you have Loki. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, and I'll even credit the first Thor for the fact that, to me, most of the DNA of the Avengers movie is Thor. And it it's feels more like a sequel to Thor than it feels like a sequel to Captain America or Iron Man. There are elements of those movies that make it in a, as well. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the franchise. And uh, I was really looking forward to uh, Ragnarok uh, going into it. So, let's... Talk about Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Matt Ragnarok uh, creates some connotations uh, from mythology. And out of curiosity, do you guys have a background in the mythology of what Ragnarok is? Or is this, this pretty much it was just a name in the movie? Uh, I, I'm really familiar with Ragnarok and all that fun stuff. Okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, Ryan? You know, what I've picked up on 20 years of being a nerd. Okay, sure. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm leading this somewhere, and maybe Angie should take this uh, off for me right now. But um, you know, Ragnarok has a lot of implications to it. It's uh, it's it's a big deal for all of the nine realms in Norse mythology, not just for Asgard, although it is the Twilight of the Gods. And uh, so, as far as the Ragnarok portion of it goes, if you came in with certain expectations, you were probably a little disappointed. So, Angie, why don't I tee you up there for, <laughs> for that one? Um, yeah, so, uh, I guess I should start with, um, there's a book called Song of the Vikings that I mm -hmm. read um, a couple of years back. Uh, it's about uh, Snorri, who... Uh, Gave us a lot of, no, well, basically everything that we know about Norse mythology. Um, and that book is fantastic. It's about kind of his life and how that informed um, all of what we know of Norse mythology. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm very familiar with Ragnarok and, and what's supposed to be going on during Ragnarok. And I found the climax of, of this film to be so disappointing that um, I think I can, I have made up my mind that I like Justice League better than Ragnarok. <laughs> Wow. Ooh, strong words. I know. It's an unpopular <laughs> opinion on the internet, but I will stick by it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Were you guys expecting something closer to the comet or the, uh, not comet, the mythological uh, Ragnarok? Or were you expecting that that was going to be just the name they kind of threw at the movie? I definitely wasn't expecting it to to hew close to the actual mythology because, because I mean, the both movies so far haven't you know stuck to the mythology like we didn't have her we didn't have Fenrir. all right i'm gonna take a moment here the lack of balder has been my biggest complaint about the thor movies since the first one because <laughs> uh even in the comics which you know the movies are adapting balder is a big big deal he's Thor's best friend and and i've been watching these movies going why don't we have his best friend in these movies so uh it's it's kind of bothered me but anyway i'm sorry for interrupting <laughs> Oh, no problem. But, but yeah, I mean, 
as much as I, because I, because I love the mythology and it, it's such a, a great story. And so, mm. as much as I would have wanted to see it, I didn't go in thinking I would get that just because it, it hasn't been the case for any either of the previous movies. Mm. I mean, I, I do wish it had had some more implications for Earth, but Earth was pretty much just a location to introduce. Probably one of the best cameos that the Marvel uh, MC Cinematic Universe has had so far, which I love everything with Doctor Strange in this movie. <laughs> you know, because the first you know, Doctor Strange movie introduced him as a character, but he hadn't really come into his own until possibly the very end of the movie. And this movie shows Doctor Strange as the Sorcerer Supreme and just casually doing stuff. And and him having Loki just fall for 30 minutes was, you know, one of the <laughs> <laughs> best, one of the best things. <laughs> and, uh, and I enjoyed it. I mean, I would like his mansion to be a little weirder, like it is in the comics, where, like, if you don't know where you're going, you end up in, like, rooms that are, like, an M.C. Escher painting, and, like, the walls fold in on themselves, and you get lost. But, uh, you know, it's a little early for that, and there's still more movies we can have with Doctor Strange, but... I, I thought that it was uh, I thought it was good for what it was, and I really enjoyed seeing him. But what do you guys think about Doctor Strange being in Thor? I think the they took that the end credit scene of Doctor Strange from his own movie with Thor, and then just made it you know three times as long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it it was just a way of just kind of again, it's just what Marvel does, tying it all together, setting up these mm -hmm. connections so that they can lead into infinity war mm -hmm. the movie could have would have, i enjoyed having him there but the movie would have been perfectly fine without him in it he didn't add anything that couldn't have been done by someone else or some other way yeah but i think that because he's already been established it, it was, would seem strange for him not to have some involvement with this stuff going on on earth so i did like that they had it yeah i liked it too i'm just it didn't feel integral hmm yeah fair enough could have been skipped <laughs> I don't know. I, I enjoyed Doctor Strange a bit. It's one of my favorite MCU movies, so I like seeing him again. But anyway. Yeah, I rewatched it uh, a couple of nights ago, and it I liked it well enough the first time, but it actually, I liked it even better on my third viewing, I think. It, it's getting mm. better and better with each viewing for me. Maybe I should watch it again, because I was not particularly a fan. So. <laughs> maybe, because I, I haven't watched it since I saw it in theaters, so maybe a second viewing would improve my opinion of it. <laughs> I know I had Benedict Cumberbatch fatigue when it happened, but <laughs> I, mean, I admit he won me over. I have I really enjoyed the film, and, and I didn't mind him in Ragnarok, but yeah, I, I don't... Story-wise, I don't know that his inclusion was uh, the best idea, I guess. Well, I don't think it hurt anything. But yeah, no, I get, I get the point that it wasn't necessary, but that's the thing that Marvel Comics, I think, always did really well, which is do like when it makes sense that other characters would be involved in something even if it's for only a brief portion of the story that they tried to draw those links and you know suddenly somebody just shows up that it's like oh yeah of course if this was going on this guy would be there too so i kind of like having that but then you know we get the uh the main cast we've got thor back and we've got loki and, oh, and of course, I, I always forget to do this. Spoiler warnings for anyone who hasn't seen the movie. <laughs> we haven't gone into too degrade of a detail before now, but from here on, we're going to really go into some uh, detail, so I should probably put that on there. Yeah. Um, if but, you haven't seen the poster, I guess. You know? Right. So, as Ryan and I kind of mentioned before, you know, Marvel's got a bit of a villain problem, because for good villains, they've got Loki, and they've got Loki. 
and then there's Loki. (laughs) So, how did you guys feel about Loki kind of turning around and being the hero by the end of this movie? I mean, I think Loki's always been the hero in his own mind, so it seemed Mm. totally, totally within reason that he would just continue to be that way until he was a hero to everybody else. I didn't have any issues with it. Yeah, I I liked it. I mean, no, I've always liked the character, and like you said, he's the only good villain they've had. But the the thing that made him a good villain wasn't that was that he just he wasn't you know the two dimensional destroyer like you know Eccleston and and all that. Like he he has character depth, so I think it totally makes sense. Like I mean, you know, going back to the first movie, like he just kind of always wanted approval and you know, wanted to be accepted by his father and everything, uh, among many other issues and problems he had. But it it made total sense for me. Like, I, I didn't have any problems with it, and, and I rather liked it. I thought it was a, a good place to take his character. Yeah, Loki is just self-serving. He's not evil in the sense that he does what he does to pursue some greater darkness. He just does what he does because it benefits him. And that's the same pretty much throughout the movie. He there will be, he will always be conflicted about his feelings for Thor. Uh, he will always love his brother, but at the same time, you know, he will always kind of sees himself in the shadow and kind of wants him dead or gone or out of the picture. Uh, but yeah, it's it's Loki's the type of person where he, if you're walking down the street, he won't. If he's walking down the street and you're on the ground, he won't give you a hand up. But as long as you're not actually physically in his path and in uh, any other way inconveniencing your day, he'll leave you alone. Yeah, and I would do wonder if a little bit of this is that they're. You know, Tom Hiddleston may, you know, be kind of done with these things after the Avengers uh, Infinity War, so they might be thinking, let's give him a a nice exit. I don't know, for me, I like Loki as more of the trickster, um, as more of the, you know, uh, antagonist, if you will, not of the truest sense, but uh, an antagonist kind of character, and making him more out and out the hero that saves the day at the end is a little... I, I felt like it was going a little too far with the character, especially because I, I I do wonder... Well, we don't know. Thanos may really win us over in Avengers, but the MCU's problem with villains kind of worries me a little bit. It makes me so sad. Like, I'm... I'm Villains are my favorite favorite part of anything, and the fact that, like, they haven't had a good villain since Loki, it's like, ah, oh, guys! <laughs> yeah. But I, I will say, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is his reaction to seeing the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to segue here a little bit into talking about the humor in the in the film, because uh, that seems to be the controversial topic about the movie. Um, some people are saying it was too silly, and other people, you know, really dig it, of course. Obviously, a lot of it was inspired by the success of Guardians of the Galaxy. I find the humor in this movie, though, to to be more character and situation focused. I don't find it as kind of like the let's just do something silly for silliness sake, like you get in Guardians. It seemed like things like Loki's reaction to Thor. Yeah, it was fun, or not to Thor, to Hulk. Yeah, it was kind of funny, but it made sense because of how they've interacted in the past. You know, there's the scene where throws his helmet at the window to break it, and the helmet bounces back and hits his head. Of course <laughs> Thor thinks that he could just throw his helmet through the window, because he's Thor. 
You know, <laughs> he, he thinks that he's powerful enough to do that, you know, and isn't thinking maybe it's a super reinforced window or whatever. There were some things I thought were too silly. Like the third time they made the joke about the chain spinning around when he's talking to Surtur was a bit much. You yeah. know, it was something that they just took it too far, you know, and there were a few times like that. I didn't particularly care Korg, you know, and his, you know, his rock, you know, like, uh, I, you're safe for me unless you're made of scissors, you know, kind of stuff that's. I don't know. I thought he was kind of a lame character. <laughs> Especially because he's an alien, so why would he know about rock, paper, scissors? But that's a whole other... <laughs> I might have been... Like, I just... I loved Taika Waititi's voicing of him. I just thought he was so fun. Mm. But other, overall, I thought that the humor was, you know, okay. And uh, so, yeah, I just wanted thoughts on that. Well... Well, I mean, we, we've mentioned tone in these movies before, mm-hmm. and I, I won't disagree with anyone that wants to make the complaint that tonally, this one was different than the previous Thor movies because of that humor. But I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing, especially if you look at this coming up from the comics, where you could have an issue or a couple of issues that were a little bit different. It did a different thing. And I think really it's just going to be, assuming there is a Thor 4, what they go back to with that. Let them do something different. Let them experiment the same way that Captain America Winter Soldier experimented with something entirely different from Winter, from uh, First Avenger. The tonal shift didn't bother me. I think that Thor has always been kind of a humorous character. Like, Chris Hemsworth has always kind of injected that humor into the movies and this just on it a little bit more. I didn't have any issue with, with that. Um, and, and even as a whole movie taking a tonal shift more to the lighthearted, you know, in theory doesn't bug me. I think if you're naming your movie Ragnarok and implying <laughs> that there's going to be a massive war and then it's just a funny buddy comedy, that's a little off-putting. Um, but in terms of just within the film, the humor I didn't think was over the top or uncalled for. I, I found it very humorous. Yeah, and, and I guess if you are familiar with any of Taiko IT's other stuff, none of it should have surprised you. <laughs> yeah, although, you know, in the previous Thor movies, yeah, while Thor himself and the sort of fish-out-of-water part, there's a lot of humor there. I mean, most of it was injected in the character of Darcy, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. she was the sort of comedy character. Although, I guess in the second one they did with them making, um, oh, what's his name? The the, the scientist guy, uh, kind of crazy. But <laughs> he kind of had it too. But you remember the first movie? Because I've kind of forgotten a lot of the second movie. Well, I mean, even, even in the first movie, uh, Jane, like, ran him over, like, two or three times with her car. So, yeah, they, that was kind of a running joke. So, yeah. Right, but it was Darcy who made the notes funny. It was her commentary every time that Jane did run him over. It well, like... But it had its own humor with Thor. Like, Thor, you know, mm-hmm. going into the pet store, looking for the fastest horse that they have. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, no, that's what, yeah, the fish-out-of-water yeah, aspect yeah. for Thor was also very humorous. Um, but yeah, that's what I was kind of saying before. I mean, I think that they've always done a better job with humor in Thor just because it makes sense, yeah. you know? know like from the background that he has he would do these crazy weird things that to us is hilarious but because his background it makes sense i i thought it was great um I, I think that the tonal shift was welcome for me especially since we're going into infinity war and black panther which both based on the trailers seem like they're going to be a lot more serious films so i think it's just a nice like you know way to and very very unexpected like like angie said like you know when i first heard it was going to be called ragnarok i was just like oh this is going to be epic and dark and then you get the first trailer and i'm just like okay that's (laughs) (laughs) i'll 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 roll with it but 
I, I thought it was great. And like, I, I thought all of the humor just served to make the characters more endearing. Like it, mm. like you said, it wasn't just like, oh, let's just, you know, do goofy random crap. It was, you know, it was all, it was all humor based around the characters and it made the characters more enjoyable and, you know, like you said, uh, Thor's always kind of been a more comedic character based on his background, but I, I just like the fact that they're just kind of steering him to be this big goof. And I I think I, I saw an interview with Chris Hemsworth where he was talking about, um, he said to the, the director that he's just like, he's like, I'm kind of sick of myself. And <laughs> sick of Taika Waititi is like, yeah, good, I'm sick of you too. So I think that was like, you know, it was a deliberate choice on their part to kind of just make it less serious and it, i just thought it it made it so much more enjoyable this this is a complete tangent but did anyone else notice that people seem to be using their natural accents more in this one than in previous ones <laughs> that was because, in english you know who knows what they were speaking <laughs> <laughs> right. because suddenly heimdall who sounded completely different in the first two is like using like idris elba's natural accent and i'm like what what you know this isn't how you sound what's going on and like thor started sounding australian i thought <laughs> like it's you know you didn't quite sound this way before Regarding the humor in general, I think it's kind of ultimately just the confluence of, of two major factors. The fact that Thor is probably the MCU's least performing franchise until Ragnarok, mm. and Guardians was its most uh, surprisingly well-performing franchise. So obviously they said we need more of that. But then also they were trying to shove in Planet Hulk in there as well. And if, if you go back to Avengers, everyone and Hulk were together. Their relationship was pretty much always antagonistic and comedic. Mm-hmm. My favorite well, my second favorite, third favorite scene from Avengers after Puny God <laughs> is still uh, just Hulk and Thor just standing there together, having just taken down the giant Chitauri ship, and just Hulk punching Thor off to the side for no particular reason. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And because, of course, they're both these strong characters. <laughs> and that wasn't a joke of him going strong, you know, strongest Avenger for the password. It's like. <laughs> it worked in the sense that they played Tony. Had it not, you know, if it wasn't. Right. Because I can very much see Tony doing that. Right, yes, of course. Because I think he even calls him Point Break yes, in Avengers. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's why it's the, the password. But anyway. So, uh, and of course, the most important aspect of any MCU movie, the Stan Lee cameo. Yep. Which I thought was... <laughs> hilarious that he's the he's the one cutting thor's hair and he's got all those attachments and everything he's shaking as he's doing it <laughs> oh i laugh so hard at that i'm i'm so glad stanley is still doing those yeah you know and uh yeah i'm hopeful that you know we'll keep on having him do those cameos for a while but i heard he has he's just filmed a bunch of them yeah. Right. No, he filmed four of them in advance. So at least through F- Infinity War, we're going to have any cameos. A- after Infinity War, it's it's unclear. Uh, but at least through that. But yeah. So then we have some new characters this time. Um, we have Valkyrie. I loved her. I thought she was so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's certainly refreshing that they didn't have a romance during the movie, Thank isn't God. it? <laughs> Although we got to talk about that though at some point during this too. Okay. About how they did, what did Jane? Oh, okay, sure. I mean, but that is what it is, right? I mean, if they can't get Natalie Portman anymore, she doesn't want any involvement. It's not like they can film a scene with her and Thor. It's just kind of like they broke up, you know, off screen. 
uh, <laughs> I don't know. What did you expect more than that? Well, I expect uh, maybe just more of a. It was a more than no. It was a mutual breakup. Or yeah, I mean they they could have explained that she didn't want to date an immortal god or something who's always who disappears for years at a time. That's perfectly reasonable. <laughs> you know? right. I don't know. They, they could have just added uh, a reason beyond just we broke up. I don't know. See, I, this isn't the first time I've heard this criticism. I frankly don't care. I, yeah, uh, I never I really cared for Jane in the first yeah, place. Yeah, no one likes Jane Foster but me. You know? <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. Angie, did you have a problem with it? Um, no, because then we all moved on and forgot she was ever in the films. <laughs> I mean, I think they addressed it. I mean, yeah, they could have, they have had like a long drawn out thing about what exactly happened and how Thor feels about it and everything. Yeah, but that would have just dragged the movie down. It wouldn't have- I-, I feel like just establishing that they were broken up was all they needed to do. Yeah, I think they could have taken one, a couple of, a couple more lines, three lines probably could have just explained it away in a better, and more than just a joke. It didn't. It didn't. Have it does to seem joke. weird going from Age of Ultron when he's arguing with Tony uh, about who has the better girlfriend yeah. to you know suddenly we're broken up off screen. That does seem a little odd, you know. But at the same time, it's you know, like I say, they don't have her, so why devote any time to? to the moment they, all right what about they could have also recast it would not be the first time marvel has done that right no it's true and and frankly for a movie called ragnarok i would have liked to have seen more of ragnarok's implications for earth um, I, think I was also coming, hoping but i was also hoping for the introduction of the character of eric masterson but that's a whole oh. other <laughs> it's a whole other thing because again they should probably be thinking about you know the, the franchise moving forward. Because in the comics, Masterson becomes Thor. He's a human with the power of Thor for a while, so I would have liked them to move that way. But anyway. So yeah, we got Valkyrie. And so, Rachel, you, you, you screamed about Valkyrie right away, so why don't you say a little bit about <coughs> Valkyrie? Sorry, I just, I don't know, like, I, I, I really liked the actors. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything else, but I don't know, she was just fun. She was like, you know, in movies when they do, quote-unquote, the badass female character... Like, it's just really heavy-handed, and they're like, look, we're so progressive, we're making this badass female character. Like, it didn't feel that way at all. And, and you know, it's sad that, like, you know, we're in 2017, we still get cra- uh, characters like that, but it, it's still not uncommon for that to happen. So she, I don't know, she just, she came in, and she's just like, I'm an alcoholic, and, you know, <laughs> like, I, she, it's, I'm not being very articulate here, but she was just fun, and I would have... Does she actually have, like, a name beyond Valkyrie? No, they did not give her a specific name. Which, um, like, I, I'm guessing, like, I, I never read the Thor comics, so I am guess that was just her name in the comics, maybe. But I'm like, okay, so you made it clear that she was a member of the Valkyries, so it would be nice if you gave her an actual name. Um, that would be my only uh, criticism there. But I just thought she had a really good rapport with, Chris Hemsworth, they had really good chemistry. I'm really glad that they didn't go in a romantic direction with those two. It was just sort of like them butting heads and then eventually teaming up at the end. But it was just, they, I mean, the whole cast had a really, really good dynamic together. And she was awesome and a badass without being obnoxious. The the Revengers. (laughs) (laughs) So Angie, what did you think, Valkyrie? The opposite of all of that. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, SmackDown. Tessa no, Thompson was in Westworld, and I didn't really like her in Westworld, so I don't know if that just carried over. 
but yeah, I just I don't know. I didn't realize they didn't give her a name, and I don't care. <laughs> she 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 seemed really inconsistent, like super mopey, but supposedly I don't know. I don't know where they were going. I don't know what her acting choices were supposed to mean. I don't know what really the point of the character was at all. I don't think she played well with anybody else in the cast except for Hulk. It was mm. kind of cute, but yeah, I don't. I, frankly, I don't. I didn't like Jane Foster in the first two films. So when she, when they said that, you know, when the two girls were like, "Sorry, she broke up with you," I was like, "Oh, great!" And then, and then Valkyrie was like, "Well, okay, we're zero for two. <laughs> Maybe next time. Maybe Sif will show up." And then she didn't. So. Yeah, well, although that is not their fault, the uh, the actress was busy making the show that she has on, I no, can't remember what it's called. If she lived, I think if she had shown up, she would have been dead with everybody else, but that's fine. Right, and that was one of the things I was thinking, it actually makes total sense, because in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Sith has shown up a couple of times on missions that Loki slash Odin has sent her on. So the idea that she was off Asgard while all this was happening actually makes perfect sense. And I'm glad because it means she can show up in the future, potentially, um, if they move forward. Who who wouldn't have cared at all if Sif did show up and die? (laughs) (laughs) I I actually like Jamie Alexander. I I don't dislike her, but I just, I find her very bland. Like, I don't Mm. know, I'm, I'm just like, eh, you pine for Thor... While he's dating Jane, but you don't really say anything about it, so you're a doodle friend. Like, I don't know, there just doesn't seem to be much to her character. Yeah. I, well, I do think that it's interesting the two that survived were Sif and Heim- Heimdall. So, the ones that are very popular. Yeah. Mm. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but as far as Valkyrie goes, the Tessa Thompson, I've, I've watched her since um, Copper, uh, a show she was on, and she was also in Westworld. So, I didn't... I don't know. I think the fact she got off the ship and she's making her hero's appearance and then falls off the ship drunk, you know, that just won me over. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, they basically gave her a role that's usually a man's role, right? The bounty hunter, the drunk, the person with the past that they want to forget. You know, that's usually a male character's role, right? And so they kind of were just like, well, let's just cast this as a woman instead. So, you know. And, yeah, I think if they, they could have cast a different character or, or cast her as a man although that obviously wouldn't have worked for yeah it wouldn't have been a valkyrie yeah, exactly. right, yeah. but uh, then i don't then it would have been her and or him and hulk and thor and, and loki and i don't know it just would have been there would have been too much testosterone in in that group mm-hmm. and yeah and i thought the chemistry between her and hemsworth um there was certainly flirtation without there being an out and out romance you you could tell that they both you know kind of liked each other but you know they didn't have to go into the I love you, you know, kind of realm, you know, so I I liked that. She was a work wife. (laughs) Right? Uh, Sure. We also have Jeff Goldblum playing Jeff Goldblum, (laughs) theoretically the the Grandmaster, but really just got Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) Which is fine. (laughs) (laughs) It worked. It's fine, except that, uh, see, to me, I just... I just wish they had called him anything else, and I would have been okay with it. I This was not the master strategy that's lived for billions of years. This is Jeff Goldblum, you know, running running Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory <laughs> that he's having people fight to the death in. You guys do know about that whole intro, right? Like the when Thor stretched there, that that comes from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was hoping somebody would get that, but anyway. 
But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I just again, it was it was one of those elements that for me of of all the things in there, I could have done with a little Jeff Goldblooming <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> that was more of just we're just gonna do something silly here and have him be himself. You know, it didn't really serve the plot too much. You do wonder how that guy was able to run the world for so long. I guess I guess he just melted people way too quickly for them to mount any resistance. But yeah, <laughs> again, I mean, he and um, the collector are brothers, right? So they're cosmic, they're ancient ones. I can't remember the exact term. Elders, elders of the universe. Yeah, elders of the universe, yeah. exactly. And I, I guess. Even elders of the universe are prone to make mistakes. I mean, the collector did have his assistant touch an infinity stone and blow up his entire shop. So, I, th- just because you're old doesn't mean you're smart. <laughs> but that's kind of the grandmaster's thing, though. That's what I'm just saying. Is he's supposed to be the master strategist? So, anyway, <laughs> that's why I said if they called him anything else, I would have been way better with it. But anyway, so uh, Angie, uh, Rachel, what do you guys of uh, Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum? Well, after Kurt Russell was Kurt Russell, you know, I was fine with it. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that worked better, but that's fair fair enough, Rachel. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was fun. I mean, yeah, it it was fun. And I don't think he particularly added anything story-wise, but I I could take him or leave him. It was was amusing, Mm -hmm. but I also didn't really care. (laughs) Yeah, did you guys stay to the post-credits scenes? Yes. Yeah. Who doesn't yeah. nowadays, you know? <laughs> right, Noel. Well, there are people. I yeah, see I them see in the them movie too. theater every time I go. I'm like, what's wrong with you people? And my friend Eric was just telling me about this girl that he's dating that he was, like, telling her all this stuff because she never stays for the... She's like, who's Thanos? And it's like, what, you know, at the post credit scene, like, what post credit scene? And it's like, ah. <laughs> That must be love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah, so... <laughs> And so, yeah, you saw the post credit scene that uh, at the end he, you know, kind of gets back on his own uh, at the at the end of the, you know, everything. Like, oh, good job, guys. You won the revolution. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well done. And he'll probably yeah, well win the revolution in a year. Right, exactly. Well, that's why I think, yeah, he's, 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 yeah, it's like, oh, now you need a leader. Who <laughs> better than me, you know? So, yeah, that was kind of fun. But anyway, so, yeah, and then we have... Uh, our our major new character um, again showing how the MCU can really pull in the star part with Kate uh, Blanchett as Hela, which uh, yeah, very very far from the mythological version, but you know Kate Blanchett uh, you know has uh, a huge pedigree, you know Lawrence films probably helped uh, a lot with uh, you know her character in the well, I mean she played it kind of differently, but still the same sort of a genre. But uh, what do you guys think of uh, Hela? I think they reimagined her origin in the same way they reimagined Thor's and Ragnarok, much everything as Guardian, and sure. that's fine. <laughs> uh, I, she played it great. I, I, honestly, I felt the humor was most misplaced with her. Like every now and then, she when because, probably because she had to carry scenes without first her and Carl Urban, who mm-hmm. was underrated in this. But she had to be the straight man or crack jokes like when the people weren't obeying her, and that kind of didn't hit with me i i want this to be i wanted her to be and maybe she still will be the replacement for death as with regards to thanos and infinity mm-hmm. war and i thought that's what they were leading up to now i'm not so sure yeah i liked her overall i hated that she killed so many characters that were major characters like but that has less to do with her and how you know the writers just well 
you know, decided that, oh, just the Warriors 3 can just die in, like, two seconds each. You know? Well, it is right I mean, <laughs> Hogan, Hogan got, you know, a few minutes, but, you know, Volstagg and Fandral just, like, dropped. You know, that, that bothered me quite a bit. But, yeah, the only scene with her that I really, really detested was the all-this-stuff-is-fake scene in Odin's, uh, you know, treasure room. Oh. I, I felt that that was a flippant middle finger you know, to the storyline, and yeah, it's trying to reconcile the end of Age of Ultron, but I felt like just saying, well, there are two gauntlets, you know, would have been fine. They didn't need to go that route, and it just seems so silly with her pushing things over. Fake, 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 you know. It just, ugh, I don't know. Mm. That that didn't hit right with me. Interesting. But, Rachel, what do you think of Ella? Um, I thought she was tragically underutilized. Hmm. You know, like, most of the movie was just them having an adventure off on, you know, this other planet and trying to escape and things. And we would occasionally get interludes with her, but I wanted, you know, I wanted more of her, like, you know, playing off of the heroes, which we got a little bit of at the end. So it's like, I love Kate Blanchett, and I think she did a good job with what she was given but I, I just feel like the character, the writers just did a, a huge disservice to the character. Like, I, I thought she could have been used so much better. I don't know how. I haven't really thought about it, but I just... Well, cue every Marvin villain. <laughs> well, to me, the problem was that they tried to smush Ragnarok with Planet Hulk. And it felt like we did have two movies for a large portion of the, the runtime because, you know, what what was going on in Asgard did not have anything... You know, the, the stuff on the, the war world or whatever they're calling it, it was, uh, was, was filler, basically. They pick up the Hulk and Valkyrie there. That's the only important stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like if they had just had a Ragnarok movie that they could have done a lot more with Hela and had her interact more with the other characters. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of they were like, oh, we're going to do this Ragnarok movie, but, uh, well, I guess, hmm, we're not really sure what to do with it. Hey, what if, what if we did this thing where they were on this other planet and they had to escape? And they're like, yeah, that would be great. That That's, um, so it's like, it just kind of felt like they didn't know what to do with, with Hela and her plot and what she was doing. And I said this as someone who really enjoyed the movie, but, I mean, you know, like, plot-wise, it just, like, it didn't, like, fit. And so, yeah, like, I mean, I, I liked, I love Kate Blanchett, and I liked what she tried to do, but, like, the character herself, as she w- appeared in the movie, was just kind of like, eh. Like, I, I felt like she could have, like, had they done right, she could have been, like, another, like, really good villain, like, you know, that we haven't had in the MCU aside from Loki, but it, she fell short for me. I felt like her goals were a little nebulous because it seemed like she was Asgard to conquer the universe, but then she was okay with killing everyone off in Asgard. So it was like, so is it really like you want to spread death through the universe or do you want to conquer the, you know, I mean like what's, you know, what's your real goal here? And I never really felt like I understood exactly what she wanted. Well, I, again, I think this just goes back to as long as you have Tom Hiddleston as Loki in a movie, he's going to overshadow every other villain. You might as well not even have mm. another villain in the movie because there's only so much. I, I don't know if it's a deliberate uh, effort to make him shine, but that's inevitably what happens. Uh, Chris mm. Eccleston might have gotten more if not for Loki in Dark World. And I don't know, Marvel, they get all these great actors to play villains, and they just never can quite use them, right? I will say this. I love Loki's version of Dark World that he had before. Oh. <laughs> it was beautiful. Well, you I talk about when I saw it was Matt Damon, okay, 
<laughs> and Sam Neill is open. Yeah. And did you catch who played uh, Thor in it? Oh, that was his uh, Hemsworth's brother, right? Yeah, the older brother. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I, th- I saw that it was a Hemsworth, and I was like, oh, he's probably related to Chris. <laughs> um, but, uh, Angie, you've been kind of quiet on the whole Hela situation. What do you think? Yeah, I'm not really sure what to think of Hela. I, I kind of feel like she suffers from Down syndrome for me, which is to say I'm getting involved and interested in what's going on with Thor and, and Hulk and Loki, and then we go over to Hela, and I don't care because I'm invested mm-hmm. in what's going on on Sakaar. And then she kills a bunch of people. Then we don't even really get to see it. And then we go back. Like I'd never, she's never on screen long enough for me to start to really get invested in anything that she's doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I enjoyed the look of her. I enjoyed like the attitude that Kate Blanchett played her with, but I, yeah, I didn't really feel much of anything about her. And I feel like she's supposed to be super powerful, but maybe they overdid it. Cause since there's no challenge, there's no challenge. Like, there are fights that she had were boring, and it's Ragnarok and should not be the case. <laughs> right. Uh, well, there's supposed to be dragons and all kinds of Giant. crap going on in Ragnarok. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep, the Midgard Serpent, yep. But I feel like, Hela, there was more potential there than what was used. I do like the whole idea of Thor realizing that, as the God of Thunder... He doesn't need the hammer, mm-hmm. you know, which which because it was so powerful, I mean, that was sort of how they used that to trigger that in Thor. But yeah, I mean, it's I, I do feel like that they didn't do as much with her. And because she was separate from the action, that's that's what really hurt with her. And she also, of course, had her sidekick. <laughs> as a scourge the executioner that was a character that while i agree with ryan that carlin played it really well and it was, he was underutilized from that aspect it was not the character of scourge at all you know sort of this working class stiff that was just kind of like i don't know how to get out of the situation i'm in so i'm just kind of playing along scourge is an out and out villain in the comics i mean he enjoys what he does and he likes playing you know and that's not the character that they had at all. And I feel like I kind of would have liked him to be more like that. I would have liked Hela to have had someone like a lieutenant, you know, with her. Because I don't really feel like, as he was, that he added much to the story until he did his turn at the end. Yeah, I, d- I just kind of felt like he was a non-entity. It's like he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was there for the purpose of having Hela to... Giving someone Hela... Giving Hella someone, jeez, to back, back and forth with, like, you know, someone for her to just talk to. Yes. And, you know, it, and then, you know, at the end, he had his little moment, but by then I was just like, okay, good, moving along. Well, and then he was immediately dispatched. Like, mm-hmm. what's the point? <laughs> yeah, not a lot of real character uh, growth there. He just kind of decided he was fed up with what was going on and that he was going to change around. Well, no, I think it was consistent with his character in the sense that he, like you said, this version of him was just a working guy. He didn't mm-hmm. want to die, so he worked for her. But then, in the end, it gives a point where he couldn't just he couldn't put up with it anymore. He'd rather be dead than than live that life. And I understand that. Right. And so, yeah, he died a hero's death, redeeming himself. But I, I just I wasn't that much invested in the character that I cared that much. Mm. And we mentioned him briefly in passing, and I can't believe that I didn't mention him already. And that's um, Heimdall, was our other main character for this movie. And it almost seemed like he was there mainly because we had to keep the storyline going in Asgard, so Hela needed some kind of a foil. 
And so Heimdall uh, is the is the resistance leader trying to get, you know, it looked like only like two dozen people <laughs> off Asgard. I wonder sometimes about Asgard because we only ever see like, you know, a handful of people. But, you know, whatever. When you live thousands of years, if you if your population growth was the same as regular humanities, it would be an ugly situation. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, I understand that. I just, you know. <laughs> They talk about like all the artisans and craftspeople and all this stuff, and I'm like, there can't be more than like three or four of them, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> we never see that many people. But um, yeah, so uh, he's the one trying to keep those few people alive, and it seems like three quarters of Asgard is in the military. But anyway, that's a whole other. <laughs> so, what do you guys think of um, Idris Elba and Heimdall in this one? Idris Elba can do whatever he wants. <laughs> okay. I support him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised by that statement. I suck at that. Uh, right. I'm not surprised I, at all. I have zero complaints. Uh, I mean, yeah. You know. All right. All right. So here's the thing. Here's my main problem is the sudden mentality to form mental connections with Thor across the universe. You know, it's like, what? You know? It's like, he's all-seeing. That doesn't mean that he can telepathically connect with people and tell them what's going on. And all. I just... It's the rainbow mental bridge. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> We're forming a rainbow connection. Just, just like Thor realized he didn't need the hammer to be the god of thunder, Heimdall realized he didn't need the sword and the pedestal and the rainbow bridge to realize he's the god of, you know, creeping. <laughs> <laughs> there are some crazy implications from Heimdall's ability. I'll grant you that. Yes, the ultimate stalker. But <laughs> um, yeah, that, that. But yeah, I mean, I feel like Heimdall didn't really have a whole lot to do. He was mainly a plot device to just keep us, you know, keep keep things going, Asgard, so that Hela didn't have complete sway before Thor got back. And to also, I guess, give Thor a little more impetus to get off Sakaar quickly. Yeah, but he never really has anything to do. No, no. no. <laughs> Although suddenly he got his natural accent, so, you know. Yeah, he, did, he did sound significantly different. Like, he's, you know, in the first two movies, he sounded all, like, godlike and mysterious. And mm. then it's just like, no, I mean... Right, he had this a- sort of echoey... <laughs> Yeah, he had this sort of echoey voice where he talked like this kind of thing. And yeah, suddenly he's like, oh, he's real conversational now. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, maybe that's just because, like uh, Hemsworth, he was feeling sick of the character. Like, play it however you feel comfortable, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. Well, again, I think they finally realized that they have no idea what Asgardians sound like, or what the Asgardian (laughs) accent is. Who cares? Oh, I want them to all talk in early modern English like they do in the comics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make it even more shit. Hey, hey, if they really want to be clever, have them all speak in iambic pentameter. <laughs> would you watch that? <laughs> I would like it, but I'm probably like the only person. <laughs> but uh, anyway. And of course, we have Banner back in this movie. First is the Hulk. Um, and supposedly he's been the hulk all the way since age of ultron hasn't gone down since um and so how do you guys feel about the uh, the inclusion of banner and 
the Hulk and uh, all of that. You know, that really the interactions with Hulk were my favorite parts of the film. Um, I think the humor mm. kind of played to how uh, the tone of the film played to how I can't remember his name. It's playing um, Banner and Hulk. Oh, Mark Ruffalo, yes. Yeah, um, so. yeah, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, for some reason, Ed Norton's name kept appearing in my head, and I'm like, so wrong! Um, so I, th- I thought it was, um, man, I just kind of wish we'd gotten a Planet Hulk movie instead. It would have been amazing. Well, and that's what the fans want, but because Universal has the rights to a Hulk movie, they can only use the Hulk in somebody else's movie or in a team-up movie. They can't do, Marvel can't do an actual Hulk movie. Yeah. No, I mean, I thought there was a great balance of um, humor and seriousness and um, kind of some troubling stuff um, with him. And you can tell that, you know, he's having some issues like that the Hulk took over for so long is troubling to him and um, you know what's worth you know what's worth sacrificing his entire personality for that sort of thing so I really liked his development I thought basically everything involving the Hulk was great in this movie well yeah I mean because that was one of my problems with the Avengers movies was they made it seem like especially in the Avengers where he's like that's my secret I'm always angry where it made it seem like it was really easy for him it's like oh yeah I just got the Hulk on tap you know whenever I need to Bam, you know. I'm that good still with makes it. no sense to this day. It's a great line, but what does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. right, but when you think of the Hulk as, you know, how he's conceived with the combination of Jekyll and Hyde and Frankenstein's monster, you know, I mean, this is something, I mean, it's always been a terrifying prospect to Bruce Banner to become the Hulk. It is something he does not like. And I think that they handled that aspect really well in this of making it once more something where it's like you know and and giving the terror to him of if i transform again maybe i never turn back you know and and that whole aspect of it i thought was was really well done i also like that they let the hulk talk uh, more than just the puny god line because that is more like the the comics also and i think it allows the hulk to be a proper character rather than just a rage monster and i i you know like i said some of the humor didn't fly with me but things like looking like hulk like fire <laughs> thor like water and then he's like no, no no buddy we're both we're both like fire and he's like well hulk like big raging fire <laughs> thor like puny little smoldering <laughs> fire <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I I think this is probably the closest we're going to get to a Hulk movie outside, you know, the existing ones. He's just when he's in the group ensemble with Avengers, it's just there's just not enough time to devote to the character. So, I mm-hmm. enjoyed it because this is some people hate the Black Widow Hulk you know, well, they won't they, but I, I kind of, I like it in the sense that just because it's different was never done in the comics. So I'm all for mm-hmm. that. But, uh, this, even, even that, that wasn't real growth for Bruce Banner. This, I felt like, like we've mentioned, this implies that there's something really real going on in the, in this guy. Um, we maybe we're leading towards gray Hulk or, you know, I would love that. Yeah. So I, I would be curious to see, and, and I know we're never going to get the Hulk movie, but, oh, Oh, that would be so fantastic. Well, I don't know. I say never. I mean, now that they've got Fox, maybe they're <laughs> they're aiming for Universal. You know? so, but Universal you know. actually is a worse thing for Disney than Fox because Universal will not let them buy just the movie rights back. They have to buy everything yeah. back, including the theme park rights. So that's a huge investment for Disney after they've already dropped so much money on oh, Fox. I agree. They just spent $54 billion. It's going <laughs> right. to take them at least like six months, you know? <laughs> 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 let's see how last let's last jedi performs okay <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> 
back back yeah. to the Hulk in particular in this movie, I do feel like he overshadowed Thor in a lot of ways. I loved having him there, but I, it was definitely just a sort of a react how great Civil War did, and everyone going, "Well, there's no Thor, there's no Hulk," and hey, look what Civil, look what having Iron Man in Captain Cap's movie did. What's having Hulk in a Thor movie going to do? Well, now we know <laughs> it's going to be the mm. best performing Thor movie ever. Yeah, true. And Rachel, what do you think? I, I thought it was great. Um, I really liked the uh, the way Thor interacted with Hulk and how, like, like you said, like having him speak in this movie. I remember, you know, seeing the trailer. I was just like, oh, oh, wow, they've got him talking a lot. Wow, okay, this is a good direction. So it made it more interesting, and just the the way the two of them played off each other was really fun. And I don't know, like. You're right, they just, they made him more of a character, which was great. And then, you know, halfway through the movie, we switch back to Banner. And so, you know, up until this point, you're having all this fun. And then, like everyone's mentioned, like, you know, you get back to Banner and you're just like, oh, yeah, this probably isn't really the greatest thing for him. But, I don't know, it like, it, it just, it kind of, it was like a buddy comedy. And it, totally, it just made it so enjoyable to watch. And, uh... Oh, I think probably one of my favorite scenes was at the end when they're battling and Banner goes to jump out of the ship expecting mm-hmm. to land as Thor. And so as he does that, it's like, it would be really funny if he just did it and like smacked into the ground and then sure enough, there we go. So I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think everyone else pretty much covered the most of my points but i i think that it was awesome yeah and i and i want to say this i mean there's been a lot of talk about how the two standalone hulk movies that were made didn't perform anywhere near as well as most of the other superhero fare around them that had to do with the writing i don't think it had anything at all to do with the hulk and the character of the hulk and the potential of the hulk and i think this movie kind of bears that out because even though it was in a thor movie like we said the hulk got a lot of the screen time in this one and I think if it's just written well, um, you know, a Hulk movie will could potentially do very well. And I just don't think that we've had a spectacular Hulk movie yet with the two that already came out. I, I would agree with it being the writing, or at least I would say like 60% writing. But I also think just I, I was watching Flipping Through the ch- TLA and The Avengers was on. And just looking at the graphics, Hulk then versus hulk now it's it's get, each time hulk it shows up in the movies it looks more believable it looks more detailed it looks i i forget less mm-hmm. that it's computer generated and so i think that's going to be a large part of it if if i were i, I saw um what banna's uh uh no, is, is that the guy who did the first Hulk? Yeah, yeah, yeah Eric, Eric Banna. Banna. Yeah. yeah, his Hulk uh, a month or so ago, and it was just I couldn't believe I once sort of said, "Wow, they did really great with that." <laughs> <laughs> well, I think too. I don't. I don't know. Like what what this movie says to me. Like I'm someone who's never like I don't particularly care about you know the Hulk or having a Hulk movie. But I think he works better. I, I think the lesson to be taken away from this is. If they were ever to do another movie that was focused on the Hulk, I think the important part is just making sure he has good characters to play off of. Because yeah. honestly, the Hulk and Banner by them by themselves, without like I, I think he worked so well is because he had Thor to play off of. And if you don't have a good supporting character for him, I, I just uh, I don't, I'm I'm a little meh on solo 
Hulk. Well, the, the thing, the other thing is that they gave the Hulk a personality in this, where the two standalone movies, the Hulk was completely silent in the Bono one and only had one line in the uh, Norton one. Uh, and I think that let the Hulk be that sort of Frankenstein's monster kind of character. You know, the the overgrown child with, with more strength than he knows what to do with. I think that's also a big part of, you know, doing a good Hulk movie, which they did not do. And they were so focused on the Jekyll and Hyde aspect that they forgot about the fact that once he becomes the Hulk, even though he is angry and he does fight, you know, anyone that's trying to, you know, get near him, you know, and attack him, you know, when he's by himself as the Hulk, he's more childlike, you know, and that's... You know, I, I think that's an aspect that they've lost. And I think that also fed into some of the humor, the childlike. This is why mm-hmm. I know there are certain criticisms that don't so much involve the hu- that that there were so much as the type of humor. That there were, you know, fart jokes and dick jokes and everything. And yeah, there were. <laughs> but a lot of that is because that's kind of Hulk's mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll agree with that. I didn't have this problem with that. I mean, even calling the portal the devil's anus. Yeah, it was a kind of, you know, childish, time. stupid. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, but at the same time, I can at least see that as an idiomatic expression, you yeah. know, <laughs> if somebody comes up with for something like that. So, you know, I get it. It's better in Sakaran. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But, yeah, so, yeah, no, I, I was really happy with the Hulk in this, too. And then we get to the resolution, which um, Angie's all already kind of weighed in on that. I don't know, is there anything more that you wanted to say about the, the end of the movie, Angie? Well, like, I mean, I guess I should clarify, I'm not a purist. Um, I don't care about reimaginings of things. You know, I don't demand... I didn't, I didn't go into it thinking it was going to be the actual mythological rock, but I kind of feel like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I kind of feel like I went to a pizza party and all they had were brownies. Like, <laughs> like both things are good, but they're definitely not what I expected. And with Ragnarok, I just, there's a, a level of action that I expected from this film. And I felt like, especially at the end, it just fell completely flat. There weren't enough people left for to have this conflict, you know, and and essentially at the end of the movie, they woke up a giant and then ran away. So they didn't. There wasn't even really like a climactic <laughs> battle. I don't. I don't know. I just. You you wanted something a little more epic. Yes, very much so. And I and and, and I and I'm and I'm just gonna spitball here. I'm wondering if they thought it would overshadow Infinity War. I don't. And decided to pull back from it. <laughs> it's Ragnarok. For the love of God, there were no giants. <laughs> the serpent was hard to be seen. Like even like the warriors three were already dead. Like I don't. I just. <laughs> expected more than five dudes. <laughs> we should call it something other than Ragnarok. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess they felt like if Asgard's going to blow up at the end, they have to call it a- a Ragnarok. But uh, yeah, I, I yeah, man, he already said that I wish that it had been a little more Ragnarok-y. But, um, or, but how about you, Rachel? What did you think of the ending and the way that they kind of resolved everything? I mean, I kind of feel the way I do about all of the final battles in Marvel movies is like in, in the MCU, it's interesting until you get to the final battle and then it's time to like kind of space out. Cause it's like, <laughs> yep, there's people hitting each other and things are firing and things are blowing up and okay. Yep. No more hitting. Yeah. Okay. Now that then we're going to have our little denouement and everything and then we're done. So it's like final. I never find the final battles to be interesting in Marvel movie it, or not even just Marvel movies it, in like in Hollywood at large in this, you know, in this, these tentpole blockbuster movies we do it's just like okay now it's time to blow things up it's just like that's great 
you know, someone someone poked me in the shoulder when when we're back to things interesting actually happening. I don't know. I, I think the times where there are epic feels in those finals. Uh, Civil War, I think, is a good example. And I, I would say even the first Thor movie with Thor and Loki. And, you know, Loki's never got a chance against Thor. But just the way that that goes down and the sense of, you know, Thor's reaction when Loki just spins off into space. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, I, I don't know. For me, at least, those... Well, so the, you named two examples uh, that I thought were good exceptions to that. Like, you know, Civil War... Mm-hmm. Even even though, you know, you had all of these different characters, in the end, it was more small scale. It was, you know, mm-hmm. Tony and Steve and Bucky. Like, it it was really about them. And same thing with Thor. It was really about Thor and Loki versus, you know, these epic earth-shattering, everyone, everything's blowing up. And, it, like, it just, after a while, the action gets a little boring. Like, this, I mean, some of them are better mm-hmm. choreographed than others. And you know, I, I liked that we got our, our four, our foursome, you know, team up, and you know, seeing Loki fight on the same side with Thor. But it was just kind of, you know, you prefer more intimacy in your final battles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like after a while, they, it's like it's all the same. You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. okay, we've got this epic battle. Okay, yep. Right. When you make it personal, it makes it a little something more because it's not about the fight per se. Yeah. It's about the what what the fight represents mm-hmm. for the characters that are well, so. No, I, okay. I agree with It's that. kind of like, you know, when they're fighting to save the world, they're going to win. They're going to save the world. But when mm-hmm. they're fighting to save their soul, that's uh, a little bit more interesting because they can possibly lose. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like... I I knew that Cap was going to survive when Tony was fighting him. What I did not expect was that he was going to leave the shield. Yeah. And what that represents and what that means about where those two characters are right now and everything else you know, was powerful. You know, that was that was meaningful and uh you know that's that's why I really enjoyed that. But anyway, <laughs> back to Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan, what did you think of the end? I guess I'm kind of in disagreement with everyone where where I think the end is um, pretty epic. I, I think you have an instance here where Thor not only failed to prevent Ragnarok, but cr- but started it. His, that was his plan. His improvised end was to save his people by destroying his home. And that's kind of, that's brilliant. That's turning it on its head. I think ending wise this is the most shocking end since winter soldier and uh hydra you know taking out or revealing that they've controlled shield all this time this could have implications i think throughout i don't know if they'll explore them but throughout the mcu that can hit on real life scenarios as guardians are now the refugees of the universe they're homeless scattered to the winds some of them are going to show up on earth and they're going to be as just ooh, who are these people so i think they could do some real clever things going forward with this well actually ryan I haven't gotten my spiel in yet. And while I agree with uh, Angie that I would have liked something a little more, uh, you know, epic in the scope of the of the movie, I felt like the resolution itself was really cool because of what you just said, is that all this time they thought they needed to prevent Ragnarok when really mm-hmm. to save, you know, to save the spirit of Asgard, they had to cause it. Yeah. They had low place up because Hela was getting her power from it. And that was one of those twists that I really enjoyed. Now, whether or not, you know, they could have had a, a more epic, you know, uh, battle and, and, you know, whether the scope could have, you know, been further, you know, is a different conversation. But I liked that for this movie, I felt like that was a good resolution. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it's one of those things where I'm always going to feel like, oh, they could have done more with Asgard. I would have loved to have seen this. That. But that's kind of mm. what makes it powerful is the fact that we are never going to see what they could have done unless they're in flashbacks or something like that. Well, yeah, I mean, for Asgard, I would have preferred, you know, the Tolkien fantasy realm that it really you know, <laughs> should have been if they were either mythological or comics accurate with it. But they, they never went that way with it. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a it's a big space station in the sky, yeah. basically, um, with with some people who, who speak in kind of an old fashioned yeah. way. So, And, and like, <laughs> I, I believe you said that you felt um, the original Thor led into Avengers more than any of the other movies. I feel like right. this, well, granted, I haven't seen Black Panther yet, obviously, but I feel like this leads more into Infinity War than any of the other movies are going to. Yeah, and and so I guess that's a good segue into that first uh, credit scene where, you know, they're, they're setting a course and then the big spaceship shows up. Now, I'm 90% sure that's Thanos, but does anyone else have any other theories? crickets <laughs> yeah then drop okay. well, it could be at this point yeah. <laughs> all right so then the question becomes does loki pull another switcheroo and say hey thanos i got the tesseract for you <laughs> I, he does. Oh, so excited <laughs> I mean, Loki will save himself. He will be like, oh, right. Thanos, I got this for you. When, of course, he didn't. But he... <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, I mean, that's kind of... A, I, here's the thing, and I know that, uh, you know, Angie and Rachel, you're not uh, big comics readers, but in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline in comics, there's a character called Mephisto, who is sort of a trickster, devilish kind of figure, who is by Thanos' side most of the time and is basically whispering in his ear, you know, about what he should do with his power and everything. I have a suspicion that Loki is going to take over that role in uh, Infinity War and the whole time coveting the power that Thanos is getting and trying to get it for himself. But, you know, I think that that's the role he's going to have is pretending to be his... Uh, his servant. If you want to keep keep to the whole Shakespearean analogy, he would be Iago to Thanos as Othello. Yeah, so I, I this is this is my this is my suspicion of of what's going to happen with Loki is that he's going to try and get Thanos to get everything, and then he's going to try to steal the gauntlet for himself, um, which will of course backfire. But it'll be fun watching him try. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, any other final thoughts about this movie and what you want to see? Well, I guess I guess another are two questions. Anything that you want to say about uh, this movie and moving forward into uh, Infinity War, but also, would you like to see a Thor 4? Yeah, I would be interested in seeing Thor 4. I mean, really, my main issue with this film is that I didn't think it lived up to the expectation that it set for itself. Mm. But the elements were there. I mean, the, the characters were, you know, solid. And we didn't really talk about Chris Hemsworth and, and uh, um, Tom Hiddleston too much. But, I mean, they there was really no question that they were going to be able to carry this film. They're, they're both incredibly mm-hmm. talented. I enjoy watching the both of them, you know, so I, I would, I would definitely go see a Thor for, you know, I, I would hope that maybe the writing would improve a little, little bit or at least the pacing maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely be interested in that. Um, going into infinity war. I'm just kind of overall excited. For okay. <laughs> I don't really have any expectations. I'm not a big comics reader, so I, I don't know. I'm just along for the ride, but I'm excited about it. Yeah, I don't know. Would you say pacing was the, the biggest problem with this movie, or was it structure? Because I still go back to the idea that trying to split it into, basically, Planet Hulk and Ragnarok was kind of the issue. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I struggle with trying to define exactly why it fell so flat for me. I mean, I, I really do think a huge problem for me was just the climax of the film. I just wasn't that invested and mm. felt like it fell flat. So, yeah, I mean, structure instead of pacing might be a better a better word. All right, so Ryan, what about you? Uh, final thoughts about this movie moving into Infinity War, or, or uh, and would you like a Thor 4? Yes, uh, I would certainly like a Thor 4. I, I would want them to keep... I feel like Thor... <laughs> my major criticism to go way back of the first Thor was that he pulled a complete an immortal godlike being or near immortal pulled a complete personality 180 in you know a three day weekend and I just yes that is the biggest flaw of the yeah. first Thor I'll <laughs> and agree. so that's just never rang true for me whereas I feel like just over the course of the three movies and I guess the two Avengers movies I feel like Thor has had a trajectory his character has grown and and mature and worthy of the hammer. And of course, ironically, the moment that he truly is worthy of it, he loses it and discovers he never really needed it, which is a great uh, mm-hmm. little homage there, or uh, I don't know, twist, whatever you want. Thematic, thematic element, yeah, thematic you know, yeah, uh, yeah. element, yeah. So I would love a Thor as long as they uh, keep his development where where it's at. I would, And I kind of want them to just, maybe just not go cosmic with the, a fourth one. Just have it mostly Earth-based. Have him have an adventure on Earth. Maybe, I don't know, you can pull in some some Asgardian elements now that they're going to probably be settling in Scandinavia somewhere. Or, it, it, <laughs> or some other villain. I don't really care who or what. I just want him to keep the eye patch and grow his hair back. And uh, beyond that, I'm, I'm not really uh, have any specifics that I want a Thor for. Now, in fact, <laughs> War is a, a different story. It's this one's going to be rough. I've watched the trailer. I, I've lost count more times than I've got. You know? <laughs> but I, I, I'm just I'm looking forward to. It. I don't know. I I think we're gonna if there's a Thor four. Uh, sadly, I don't think we'll get it until after Avengers four, which is fine. Who knows what state right. the Marvel universe will be in after that? Anyways, it might be that we'll be looking at you know Beta Ray Bill, like that Eric Masterson, or some someone else. Maybe there'll be a passing of the gauntlet, and if that's done right, I would be fine with that too. So I, I guess. As far as Thor 4 goes, ask me again after Infinity War and possibly Avengers 4. As Infinity War goes, if they can just live up to the hype from the trailer, I'll be gold. That, that's actually a really good question, so I have to t- take a step back here because I didn't even think to ask this, but you've weighed in now. But I, I'm sure Angie and Rachel have opinions. The new look for Thor in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel about it? <laughs> uh, Chris Hemsworth can rock whatever look he wants to, and I will <laughs> As long as he's shirtless, it's good, you know. <laughs> Only if he wants to be. Hey Rachel, so what what do you think of his new look? I mean, you know, you could you could put a bag over Chris Hemsworth's head. I, <laughs> like, and like, I'm not saying he's not a handsome guy. Like, I mean, you you could get away with a movie with his with a bag over his head the whole time, and I I still wouldn't care. Like. <laughs> They cut his hair? I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> a nice, nice little uh, shorter look there. That's fine with me. <laughs> I'm thinking back to a, an interview I saw with him where he talked about uh, where he talked about um, the director is just like, oh, you know, we, we, we don't have a shirtless scene of you. We need to get you with your shirt off. And Chris Hemsworth is just like, oh, I don't really want to do that. I'm not a piece of meat. And Taika Waititi is just like, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> He knows his audience. <laughs> and, and honestly, that's one of the things I've, I've always appreciated most about the Thor movies is that, you know, like, like 
the female characters in most comic movies, they're always going to have some kind of eye candy moment. And so, you know, they know ladies love Chris Hemsworth, so they always give us our blatant <laughs> fan service scene. And, you know, it's mm. so nice for the ladies to get some love for once. Like, <laughs> when I'm, I'm ladies and, and anyone who finds men attractive, I won't, I won't limit it that. But, you know, it's, so it's nice getting that. So, new look. I think it's awesome. If they want to grow his hair back, great. Hair, as long as I keep getting Grizz Ebsworth. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, it's funny to me just because, you know, Justice League had mustache gate <laughs> with Henry Cavill and Thor. It's like nobody cares, you know, long hair, short hair. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know? As long as we're getting Chris Hemsworth, I'm it's gonna okay. I'm going to jump in there and actually I have to say that my wife was really upset about i mean i don't know i didn't realize how much hair mattered to her because we just finished the well not just but we've seen thor and then a few weeks later the avengers trailer drops and i'm like i watched it by myself because i couldn't wait and then i finally showed it to her and she's like well why did cap a beard why is it thor's hair grown back i, I don't know <laughs> i mean these are the, not like not like that was awesome just i don't like that hair you know <laughs> So I guess some people it does matter. <laughs> yeah, it just seems DC fans are way more obsessed with hair. Simon can also rock whatever look he wants, and I will support him. Yeah. <laughs> and and unlike Hemsworth, he you know the the apocryphal story is for Civil War that he kept trying to find a way to get his shirt off when he was holding onto the helicopter. <laughs> 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 it just couldn't be worked in. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway. He had women fainting anyway, so I don't think they needed it. They might have had medical emergencies if his shirt had been off. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, Rachel, sorry for that digression there. Um, I'm sure you don't mind talking more about Chris Hemsworth looks, but... Uh, <laughs> do you have uh, any final thoughts about this movie? Want to talk about uh, what you put forward into Infinity War or... Uh, and... and let me phrase this correctly. And do you want an Avengers 4? Or a Thor 4? God, Ryan screwed me up. <laughs> Thor 4. Um, final thoughts on the movie. When, I guess the thing I found most interesting about the movie is that structurally-wise, structure-wise and just overall film storytelling-wise, the movie is not very good. But for me, it's entirely mm. carried by the actors and the chemistry between the characters and the humor. Like... I mean, like I, when I left the theater, I was just like, the story sucked, but the characters were great, so I didn't care. <laughs> like it was, the, I, I estimate to how well they've created these characters and how well the actors do with those characters. Like the, they're just so endearing and fun that I didn't care that the move, the movie was a structural mess, and that you know, like. Mm. I mean, of, of course, I was upset that, like, you know, Hella didn't re wasn't really integrated into the movie as a whole. Like, I, I wanted more from her, but everything else kind of made up for it. So I was like, oh, that's fun. It's all good. Do I want a Thor 4? Sure, I would definitely take one. Going to Ryan's point, I, I think, like, after Infinity War and Avengers, Avengers 4, I think the scale is going to be so huge and insane that I, I think it would be a good idea if Thor 4 went more small scale. Like, you know, don't, like... I, I forget which one of you mentioned him having an adventure on Earth. I think that would be really fun. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be some crazy, epic, oh, we need to have this awesome villain. Like, just take it smaller scale and just have it focus more on character growth and development and 
fun and I think that would work fine because honestly I think we're going to need something like that after Infinity War it's just going to be like we're going to get our dose of, of epic and after that I, I think we're going to need to scale things down a bit just to kind of detox to be honest um, not that I don't think it I mean I think Infinity War is well I hope Infinity War is going to be amazing so I, I, I think that would be a nice counterpoint but you know who knows how long it'll be before we get a fourth one so I guess we will see um did I did I touch on all of the points I forget? <laughs> <laughs> Only you know what you wanted to touch on, Rachel, so I can't answer that for you. <laughs> Although I will say this, with uh, Disney owning Fox or the Fox, uh, I'm sorry, the X Men movie franchise uh, again, we could have like something like Thor or not. So you know that's a way they could scale it back and and have it on Earth, but have a character that's at least in his power class. Yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't even necessarily need like a big battle. It, like it would just be cool, like have like an adventure, like have Thor some guy. Like who knows? Road trip. <laughs> yeah, just more of an adventure story, and like who cares? I mean, obviously he's Thor. You got to see him like battle. You know creatures and things like that but like it would be nice to not have the focus be solely on combat mm-hmm. yes they can always do the the movie about thor like trying to make a life in like uh, suburban america He's trying to win jane back but she won't have anything to do with him <laughs> they can <laughs> <hunt Tom>. oh. <laughs> i did say the word adventure but... <laughs> right now <laughs> i was thinking about that ass saturday night live skit with um with uh, Black Widow uh, and oh, made it yeah. like a like a sitcom kind of thing with <laughs> it's what the Black Widow movie would look like if they yes. did it. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know, that's going on into Infinity War. You know, I saw the trailer. It looks good. Uh, I I you comment on the online about this. I'm not so sure about Thanos's look. <laughs> His head is so tiny. Weird. <laughs> he needs some head. It might gear. be a controversy. <laughs> and and I'm I'm super excited for Black Panther first. Like, oh, I cannot yes. wait. The just the the production design looks so significantly different from anything else in the MCU. Amazing! I can't wait. I am shocked and happy that they're going full yeah. Wakanda. The idea of the African nation that was never <laughs> colonized and has technology greater than, you know, we have in Western civilization, you know, that's, 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 you know, that's comic accurate there, and I am looking forward to it. I do want to say real quick, if, if uh, there is a Thor 4, I do want Stellan Skarsgård brought back uh, in some capacity. Mm. Um and uh, I don't think we mentioned it, but it's worth noting that for this movie, if, if people have pacing issues or just feel it's kind of weird in a certain way, it could be because the original, supposedly, the original runtime was like an hour and a half long. And uh, he had to go back and add basically almost like cutting room footage just to pad it out to get it to a longer length. So a lot of that comedy might just be stuff that otherwise wouldn't have made it into the film. Oh, see, that's annoying. That the student put in stuff that he didn't really feel like was worthy for the movie. I mean, I get that they want to have like a certain length for a Marvel yeah. film. Even then, it's the shortest of the of the Marvel movies. But uh, but yeah, that's that's annoying. I mean, if the if the movie deserved ninety minutes, then it should have had ninety minutes. I know that minutes. one scene where he has a discussion um, with uh, what did, what what's the rock alien's name again? I can't remember. Korg, Korg. Uh, about the hammer, about throwing his flying by throwing his hammer. That was entirely improvised. That whole scene, the discussion about no, no, I throw it. In 
and it pulls me along, you know, and, and then where they went with that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, a lot, I think a lot of the humor in the movie was improvised because I think the director really uh, like, I mean, I, I think I saw something that said they there are just a ton of different takes because he just really encouraged people to just to just kind of have fun with it and, and play around with different things. Yeah, that's probably night and day different from Kenneth Brennan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's the thing. And and, and, and the thing is, I didn't dislike the I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoy the first Thor. And I came out of it feeling that structure it, it was it was candy, basically. I mean there was nothing there was no sustenance. You know, it was basically a lot of really like, you know, fun scenes that were sort of loosely strung together but didn't cohere together very well. Except for that end, where I felt like that end was a really cool twist on the whole idea of we're trying to prevent Ragnarok, but then realizing, no, we have to cause it, you know, uh, to, to get rid of this problem. But uh, I liked it. I'm looking forward to Infinity War. Other than my theory about Loki, I really don't have a whole lot. Obviously, the trailer shows that Thor is going to meet up with the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is probably how they're going to get involved with, you know, what's going on on Earth. But for a Thor 4, I am all about a Thor 4. Chris Hemsworth is the only one of the Phase 1 actors who did not say that he's of, of doing it and wants to do something else, or at least I haven't seen it. Um, you know, Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. have both kind of said that they're moving on. You know, so I would like them to continue to, uh, to use him for as long as he would want to do movie so i'm hoping that they do do a thor at some point he still looks like he's in good shape so you know (laughs) he's probably got another couple movies in him if he wants to do it i mean hugh jackman was still doing wolverine you know into his 50s i think i think he's like 50 now so i mean it's possible so for him to do quite a few more so um yeah i don't really have any thoughts about what the movie would be uh i'll be interested to see the state of asgard and the asgardians after avengers 4 i have a better idea of what they where they could go with it but uh until then i really don't have any clue like even where the mcu is going to be at um you know the the nature of the cosmos um and infinity war could change everything so we'll see so uh with that uh if nobody has any other thoughts about the movie i think it's time to uh say goodbye and let people know where they can find you online if anywhere so rachel why don't we start thanks for having me and um as far as finding me online um yeah i don't really have much of an internet presence right now so uh, good luck (laughs) with that i've got a twitter that exists somewhere i haven't posted on it god knows how long so yeah nah i'm i'm gonna be internet stealthy for a little while all right. Angie, why don't you say goodbye and let people know if there's anywhere to find you online. Uh, goodbye, Internet. Uh, you can find me here, as always, and only here on the 42 <laughs> Yes, you, you remain our 42 cast exclusive. Yes. <laughs> All right, Ryan, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Well, uh, yeah, as usual, I'm not saying goodbye. Uh, I will never say goodbye to the internet. Uh, however, you can find me, if not just scowling as I read people's wrong opinions, <laughs> on Facebook, on Twitter, Geek Stranger. Uh, you can go. <laughs> Feel free to go to the website anytime, geekstranger.com. Where you'll see six months out of date posts. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You can reread the Wonder Woman review. I mean, I I didn't say anything that anyone already said, but go knock yourself out. Otherwise, yeah, follow these fine people and assuming two of them, assuming you can track down somewhere and uh, you'll probably find me hanging around somewhere. 
there as well, kind of pulling my uh, Heimdall. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate stalker? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I put it like that, you know. Uh, ultimate sounds, okay. sounds a little overachieving. You know? <laughs> sounds like a lot of work, you know. <laughs> Well, uh, Rachel, Ryan, and Angie, thank you so much for being on the episode today. Thank Thank you. And that's a wrap on our Thor Ragnarok episode. I hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it. And you can tell me how you felt about this episode and any other episode of the 42Cast by going to our website, 42Cast.com, and leaving a comment. Or you can do it by going to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash 42Cast. You can tweet to us at at 42Cast. You can also send us an email at everything at 42Cast.com. You can also leave us feedback on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, or Google Play. Just let us know what it is that you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, topics that you'd like to see covered coming up, what guests you've heard that you like and would like to hear more from, or anything else that you really want to say about the show. Because I keep getting curious about who everyone is and what they like about the show, and the best way for me to improve is by hearing that kind of feedback. Either way, I hope that you'll be back with us next week when Nolan Bushnell will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan, signing off. You've been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2018. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is sharper swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.